Hi, I'm Andy Psarianos. Hi, I'm Robin Potter. Hi, I'm Adam Gifford. This is the School of School podcast. Are you an early years teacher struggling with lack of support for lesson planning? Foundations can help. Foundations is the new reception program from Maths No Problem. It's a complete reception package with workbook journals, picture books, and online teacher guides all in one place. Visit mathsnoproblem.com today to learn more. Welcome back. It's an exciting day here on the uh, School of School podcast. We've got a special guest, which is always exciting on the show. Emma, Emma Potter. How are you this morning, Emma? I'm very well, thank you. Very pleased to be here. Hi, Emma. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Um, I've just said good morning. It's (laughs) it's half past four in the afternoon when we're, of course, I'm not sure what's happened. Emma, I'm going to hand back over to you and say, for the listeners who who, uh, haven't heard your voice before, would you mind just telling us a little bit about... um, about what you do and how you help children? So um, I have a few roles. So I'm a year six teacher at a school called Cheen Park Farm, uh, which is part of the Leo Academy Trust. And at Cheen Park Farm, I'm also the vice principal, um, which is basically um, in England, a posh name for the deputy head um, that looks (laughs) slightly different. Uh, We've got snazzy names. And then I also um, work for the trust as the director of maths, Um, as well. So I go into schools and I um, support their school improvement um, in maths, but also um, through teaching and learning as well. Um, So I spend a lot of my time talking to teachers, um, talking to leaders about how we can improve um, maths, especially, but also their teaching and learning as well. Um, And then I spend the rest of the the other part of my time um, with my class and within my own school as well. Um, So I'm here, there and everywhere. And I think I'm right in saying that, that across your trust, you're seven, just about eight schools. Is that right? Yeah. So we're seven schools. Um, and then we are, yeah, just another one's just joined. So we're just at eight schools um, now. Well, we've got one that's sort of in the joining, not joining yeah. part that happens before trust. So um, I suppose, yeah. but, but you've got like a really wide scope and you're, you're overseeing that. You get to step back. And what, what I was really interested in is the role of technology in maths. And um, oh, yeah, just can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we're actually really fortunate um, in the Leo Academy Trust. So every child in Key Stage 2, um, so from year three to year six, um, have a Chromebook that they can take home. Um, every day and it's theirs during their time while they're at the school and then we also have other devices available um, for you for the key stage one and our EYFS and nursery children so we're in a very fortunate position uh, because technology is becoming embedded within everything that we do Uh, we're still on a journey and obviously the bigger the trust becomes the more we have to spread that journey across the different schools but um, in a lot of our schools, the children will use their Chromebooks every day. Um, we Somebody um, once from the Trust once said that we don't have a Chromebook lesson. It's just a tool for our learning. Um, and so you might use your Chromebook to research, but you might also use it in maths. You might use it in English. Um, Can I just interrupt just, just for one second, just provide a little bit more context to what you're saying? Because this is fascinating. Is this... Is this as a result of the pandemic, were you already doing things like that? It's just just for, for my clarity in my head about what yes. that looked like. 
So we already began the journey before the pandemic. Uh, okay, cool. Um, we had it in, well, we did a trial year in just one year group to year four. So across the different schools, uh, they trialed it. Um, and then actually we were on the journey to introduce it into key stage two for years three and would they the year the year fours had obviously moved up to year five the year fours were going to do it again and we also introduced it into year three and then I think I'm right in saying just as the pandemic hit we were able to then use some of the other devices to spread that across to um, year six as well so during the pandemic um, we were actually able to offer a device to all children that needed one that didn't have one at home. And then when they returned to school, that's when it became Key Stage 2 all had one and Key Stage 1 had them available at school um, as well. We've been really fortunate, I think, that um, not fortunate the pandemic hit, obviously, but that actually helped to springboard what had already started um, before the pandemic. Um, and now actually it's become a lot more embedded because actually teachers have had to teach online. They've had to use technology. Um, and I suppose it's something good that's come out of the pandemic that actually we've been able to promote technology um, throughout everything. And I know that our director of technology um, is that's still her mission to keep going with that. Um, and so she goes into schools to support the embedding of technology across the curriculum um, in everything that teachers do, because I think sometimes technology can just be seen as a computing side of things. And actually, we try to use technology as to actually enhance learning um, as well. What are some of the challenges that you run into with with uh, with the technology, using that much technology in the school with the pupils? I mean, you know, and the reason I ask this question is, first of all, I think it's remarkable what you guys are doing. And I, and I, and I wish more schools would would uh, push towards something like that. But, and I also like the fact that you said that, like, you know, we don't have a classroom on Chromebooks. You know, Chromebooks is just a tool, you know, mm -hmm. just like a pencil or a, you know, piece of paper or whatever. A lot of people would be worried about introducing and, you know, maybe distributing. And, 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 and uh, I, I assume you guys have purchased the Chromebooks and, and you know, you've given them to the children. Uh, people would be worried that they wouldn't come back, that they would get broken, that they would come. To, kids would come to school with computers that aren't charged or whatever. The what are some of the issues that you run into, and how do you get around those? So we quite often have children that um, don't charge their Chromebook, but they do have like um, a bit of an agreement at the beginning of the year. These are the things that you need to do. You need to look after your Chromebook. You need to keep it in its case. You need to bring it to school charged. But you're always going to have sometimes when that doesn't happen and so we encourage children to charge them at the beginning of the day if they haven't been able to charge them overnight because that's also really important is not to stop any children from using it you know it's annoying if they haven't charged it but there are a whole host of reasons why they might not have been able to charge their Chromebooks so actually we need to give them that opportunity and, and as long as they've given us you know a bit of time we can um, get those on charge um for them to help because we know how important it is to support with their learning and we have a bit of a bank of Chromebooks that because they do get broken. Um, my year six children are the people that have had their Chromebooks since they were in year four. So they're now three years old. So there's always going to be wear and tear, especially when you're using them as frequently as we do. So it's having those systems set up um, where you can have it sent off for repair. You can have a replacement and things like that. And I think that's just how it's worked for us is having those systems set up so that it doesn't become a barrier. Just like if a child didn't bring a pencil, you would give them a pencil to use. 
Can you give me an idea? I'm, what I can't do is I can't imagine what a lesson looks like, for example. So so if we're about to do a maths lesson or something like that, mm-hmm. what, what does it kind of look like? What, are the, what happens? So um, we would all um, either have it in front of us on a Chromebook. We would have the lesson on slides or PowerPoint, whichever one you want to use. I don't, I don't know if there's any promotion, but, you know, Google, we use Google Suite a lot of the time. Um, mm-hmm. And so they have that. Do you use Google Classroom? Yeah. Classroom? So the okay. yeah. so it's all posted out to the children on Google Classroom. It's all organised. And then they would open it up. They would uh, look at the resource on there. They might share something. They might have something called a Jamboard where they're able to use manipulatives on it. They can record that. They can write on their Chromebooks. They can type on it. Uh, and they can also handwrite because they're touchscreen as well. So you could record it in that way. Um, but also... What's really important for us now is that element of choice. So if you want to record it on the Chromebook, you can record it on the Chromebook. If you want to record it on pen and paper, because that's how you prefer, then do that as well. And I think that's a real point to make as well, that actually just because you've got a Chromebook doesn't mean you that's necessarily the best way for everyone. We encourage them to use it, but some of them prefer to have it in front of them as well. Um, and we, we wouldn't want to take away any of the concrete manipulatives that are using just because they've got them on the screen. Actually, they can use it and concrete as well. So it's just trying to get that choice element. So that would obviously be at the beginning. We might then do some teacher input where you can use different things like Nearpod, where you can just like move the slides on for the children. You can add in extra bits where they can collaborate together Um Really, the possibilities are endless and it's all about teacher knowledge in the fact of different things that they can use, different tools within it, because it's only as good as that. Just giving them a Chromebook is not going to enhance anything. How much support do you give the teachers, like, you know, training the teachers on the various tools and and uh, encouragement to use them and all that sort of stuff? So um, we do have training uh, run through the trust. Um, So you have like the experts, if you like, who are training it within it. Um, Cheryl, who's our director of technology, she does a lot of the training, but then she also trains other people to then um, be able to have that. And then within the schools, you'll have teachers who naturally have taken to it more. And so then they can promote it within their schools. Um, And what's really important is that the leaders know about the technology as well. So they will often do like we have things called Google Level 1, Google Level 2, and they'll do that as well. So they're skilled up as well. So when they're monitoring something or doing a learning walk or observing, they actually understand um, what's happening. And then you always get teachers. And this is what I love about teaching is they see something on Twitter or they see something on Facebook and they think, oh, that's new. I want to try that in my classroom. And then you get that ripple effect that... Teachers are then teaching teachers because they see it and they see it, it's really good um, and it actually just helps with learning. So I suppose in the amount of training, we probably do quite a lot. And we had to do a lot, obviously, during the pandemic where we were skilling teachers up quite quickly. And now it's just a sharing um, experience. But we still have that training um, within everything. Technology doesn't stand still. And that's something that's really crucial as well, is that just because you did something last year and it worked really well, there could be something better out there for you. So I suppose that's what we're constantly doing. I was just curious at what some of the obstacles are for the students. Like what is it, you know, um, I know, I know children tend to gravitate towards digital devices in a way that maybe we where we would have been reluctant a little bit 
at their age or even at our age, um, you know, because we're we're indoctrinated into our ways of the world. But for them, I would imagine they, they go to it uh, a little bit more naturally. But there must still be some obstacles. There must be some challenges with the pupils. What do some of those challenges look like, other than charging? We, we heard about that one. <laughs> Charging's a big one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just sometimes they just don't like it on the screen. Um, I think sometimes but you, you make it okay if they if they you, you said that it's okay if they use paper yeah instead, if they right? if they yeah. choose to make that it's about that um, there's probably freedom, a posh yeah. term for it yeah it's the freedom of yeah. being able to choose to actually this is better for me and so if we were to present something then some may choose to do it online some may choose to do it on paper um, but I think some of the um, I suppose some of the obstacles could be I'm not as fast as somebody else online. Um, and so we just try, we skill them up as well. And we do the, um, it's called the digital passport. So they have like little things that they can do, little steps. So we almost train them up as well um, into how to use the different tools. Um, and then what we really rely on is that peer support, because at the end of the day, the children are often better uh, at picking something up and teaching their friend in a way that actually helps them. And so we do a lot of that collaborating together and sharing, you know, oh, can you just show him how to do X, Y, and Z and then they can support each other that way. So I suppose that's how we get around some of the obstacles, but we we tend to find that they prefer it. I'd be amazed if you didn't get some kickback from parents under the banner of screen time, right? I'd be, I'd be amazed if that didn't happen. Maybe it was one single parent, I'm not sure, but for those, for those, those educators that are listening to this, because I'd say your school was ahead of the curve, mm. you know, pre-pandemic. It must have been a massively supportive thing. And I was thinking then, we often talk on this podcast about curriculum, but often that's about, you know, the content of what's being taught. I, I would say that what you've described is going to be a necessary skill forever and a day. That, that, that fact that we've got to have that flexibility of thought and to be able to collaborate digitally and those sorts of things. It's not just during a pandemic, it's here for keeps, right? I think we have to all accept that. So what you're doing is... is providing a skill set that I think every child has to be equipped to, to, to deal with in the future. So coming back to my question, how, so schools that are listening to it and thinking, wow, that sounds really exciting, you know, other than getting inundated with phone calls and emails and stuff, how did you deal with, and did you have to deal with, with parents who, who screen time was an issue? Yes and no. I suppose the fact that we didn't just throw the Chromebooks and say, you're going to do every lesson on this. They are a tool in the classroom. So the children don't spend all day on their Chromebook. It's like fitness for purpose as well. You know, you wouldn't... Something that you would do in on pencil and paper that works really well, you wouldn't necessarily do on a Chromebook. So like, for example, measuring things. Sometimes on the Chromebook, obviously you've got online tools but actually getting a ruler and measuring something is probably better because that's the tool that you use. And until technology is so advanced that we're then using that for measurement, in the real world, that's what we do. So I suppose it's looking at what you're doing and is that going to enhance the learning or is that actually just, it's nice and flashy and you've seen it. So actually, I think that's where we perhaps didn't have the complaints about screen time because we've tried to make it so that everything they do on there is purposeful and it isn't all of the time. 
Well, it's massively reassuring, <laughs> and, and, and it warms my heart to hear that because I think that sometimes with things that that uh, I don't know under the banner of technology, it's like putting tinsel around something and expecting it to perform better. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't quite work like that. Right? <laughs> and sometimes you do things on the Chromebooks or using the technology and actually think, oh, when we used to do this, it actually was better. And I think it's having that reflective nature as a teacher to think this hasn't worked or this really worked let's make sure we do more of this and I think it's getting that balance it's not just about getting them out at every opportunity because also children would get bored and then you you've lost you've lost it yeah it's just like any tool right I mean at some point you know it's we're if you're talking you know look at manipulatives and you could say well you know um, I don't know, whatever it is, whatever you happen to be fixated on, wreck and wrecks or base 10, you know, like maybe, maybe 10 frames, you know, oh, 10 frames are great. They're amazing. Like you can do all these wonderful. Yeah. But at some point, you know, you can move on, right? It's not appropriate mm-hmm. anymore, you know, and there's a point where it doesn't make any sense to use it at the beginning. And it makes, it's like, it's optimized for a couple of maybe, maybe there's 10 things that you can teach really, really well with a 10 frame and then you move on. Right. And any tool is like that. You know, uh, it, it's it's understanding when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate. I'm interested. I'm interested in in um, you know what were some of the challenges that the school. I mean, you guys are an academy, so I I guess you're part of a trust, and 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 I suppose the decision making process within within there is is a little bit more free than some other schools, right? But what were some of the challenges? Was was it you know was it the funding or was it was it the governors or was that, you know, like who, I, I don't even, you know, I don't have no idea how you, the structure, the, the, the political structure of your organization works, but where, you know, somebody came up with this idea, how hard was it to sell it into the school as a concept? Um, so I don't, I think most people were on board with it. Money obviously was a big thing. And obviously I don't, I don't deal with the money side of things, but I know that that obviously has been a big outlay of money. Um, across the whole trust. Um, But I think what was really important was that we had trialled it within a year group. And actually that then meant that you could have, you could look at some of the things that worked really well, but also some of the pitfalls and we didn't repeat those. So you had the buy-in of teachers because you could see it actually happening within that trial year group. And I think that's just really important that actually it wasn't just somebody decided one day. Our CEO didn't say, actually, now we're all going to use this. <laughs> it was actually... CEOs don't do things like that, do they? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, just looking at, I'm just looking at Adam and Robin's face <laughs> when I say that. See a res- some kind of response. Anyway, sorry. No, so that, uh, like he didn't just make that decision. Yeah. It came from a lot of thinking and trialing and looking at lots of different options, what would be the best for our children. And I think that's something at Leo that it always comes down to is our CEO is just focused about children. And is it going to make an impact on our children? Is it going to make their lives better? We're preparing them for jobs that perhaps we don't even know exist yet. Yes, this is a step forward for us. And I think that's what's been really important for us as a trust is actually seeing the benefit of it and actually how learning can be advanced because of it. I think that's so important in education full stop. Again, this is just cheering me up no end. <laughs> and what, what some people may not know is that, like, well, I don't know if this is still the case, Emma, you, you might know it, it's been a while since I've signed a cheque in a school. 
But it used to come out of a part of a budget, right? There's a capital budget. So it was like the buildings and all that sort of stuff, but also your technology stuff. So sometimes you had some money in there and it was kind of like, oh, I feel I need to spend this part of, of the budget. We need to just get it. And so I, I got a sense sometimes, sometimes, um, when talking to colleagues, and oh, I may have been guilty of it myself, uh, where you kind of think the job's done once you've signed the cheque and you've taken delivery of these things. And then it's kind of like, if we're being completely honest, we're leaving it a bit to chance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and we can we can put a spin on it today. We can say, oh, those children are very intuitive. So now that we've taken delivery of them, just give them to them, give it free reign. And they're so intuitive, we can't help but have success with something like that. So I think that what you're saying, though, makes sense. I think it's I think it's far more like in, in I don't know, business. I think in the private mm -hmm. sector, of course, you have to trial things to make sure that it makes sense because it's got to make financial sense. Da, 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 da. But I don't know. I think in education, sometimes uh, that that um, willingness to take time. You know, to, to have a pilot study first and to evaluate it over a decent amount of time, not just did the children like it for a week, mm -hmm. right, let's go wholesale across the school. Like doing something where it's, you know, you, you're really looking at and that's what it sounds like you, you, you guys do across the trust. And it, it just sounds so obvious and makes sense when you say it aloud. But I think it's that it's that that sort of time aspect and taking time to, to see, you know, tangible results before doing something because yeah, it might be the financial aspect, but, but of course the most important thing is something that you've said that you, and I have absolutely no doubt you share the same ethos that, that that's the children. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's the impact on the, on the children. Uh, and I think that that's so important. So anyone listening, I just think it's, yeah, it seems so obvious, but, I'm not always convinced that it is, or, or, or people are willing to give it that amount of time to evaluate it. Mm -hmm. I think it's also important to remember you're on a journey. And just because we introduced Chromebooks and we started using them and we use technology, it's not to say that that's it, because actually we've got to evaluate it. Is it still working? How can we improve this? And I think as a trust, we're never standing still. We're always trying to improve things for our children. And that's really important that actually you have that reflective nature, that it's not just, oh, this works really well. We're really good at it. So that's the end. It's actually, yes, this works really well, but how can we make it work better? And how can we actually share this as well? That's something at Leo that we do really promote is actually sharing our expertise. And we're often having people come in to see um, the the technology being used. And I think we always think, oh, you know, we could improve. And people are always really wowed at what they see. And I think if we can share that and we can share that within other schools, other trusts across the country, wherever, then that's helping us on our journey as well because we can start unpacking things that perhaps don't work or do work and actually seeing the success of that as well so if anybody does want to come and visit they'll be very welcome at leo to see the technology well, i'd like to come and visit emma so so there you go put, anytime put, put my name down oh can i come <laughs> yeah Adam, you know what I, I andy i need a plane ticket i think um yeah i i'm, I'm we're going to take you up on that i might bring some people with me if that's all right uh, well is that okay you would be absolutely welcome mass no problem royalty coming in i i don't know if i'll be able to contain myself well, let's yes. not yeah <laughs> well, i'll make sure i bring my pointy hat and my, <laughs> my studded <Yeah>. robe <laughs> yeah. you know so what so what's next what's next for the trust what's next for you know uh 
where do you guys go from here? I think it's the embedding now. So um, as I've said, we've got seven schools, hopefully soon to be eight. So actually, how can we embed that? There's no point us just having one place where it's working really, really well. It's actually sharing that expertise across the schools. Um, and that's when us as directors are quite useful to be able to support that across the schools. But I suppose it's just, like I said, not standing still, seeing what else is out there, um, other ways that we can get technology into the classroom um, just to support learners as well. So we have technologies for supporting our least able. We have technology for all of our teaching. But actually, how can we embed that and make sure that the learners are getting the most out of it, as well as teachers feeling confident to teach it as well? Um, because that sometimes can be a bit of a barrier is actually the teacher not feeling like they can do a great job with it. And so then they are perhaps reticent to actually use it. So I think it's actually encouraging, sharing expertise and developing that um, and just sharing, sharing our knowledge to other schools as well. I think that's really important um, for everyone. And what would you say to people who create tools for schools, like digital technology tools for schools? First of all, do you think, and this is just to wrap it up, do you think that they're doing a good enough job? And if they're not doing a good enough job, what do they need to, what do, they need to do to support you better? I would say make them all free. No, um, I would say make, I think um, come into schools and see what we use them for. Um, because sometimes the, you know, the desired effect that they they think it's for actually isn't always like that. Um, and I think just making sure that the tool that they create isn't just flashy. That's always nice, but it, it's not going to enhance. And I think it's got to be user friendly. It's got to be more pedagogy. Beside. Yeah, we've got to look at actually how can we use the teaching and learning like fundamentals and actually replicate that on the technology that's actually going to enhance the learning, not just exist. Um, I suppose. Yeah. Gotcha. Emma, thanks. Thanks so much again for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on the School of School podcast. Mm-hmm.